Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. For the past few weeks, we have been taking a journey through the book of Habakkuk, and we're going to close this journey on Habakkuk today, and we've titled our series, Even Though. Now, when you have to understand, when I hear certain words and phrases sometimes, things just happen in my brain, and uh, this phrase, even though, reminds me of one of our kids in Zimbabwe. It's, uh, you know, Tosh and I, we sponsor three kids. He's not one of ours. I think actually one of our families from Destiny Church sponsors this kid, but his name is even though, even though. And as one of our first trips there, we found out that they take English phrases. Many of these families take English phrases to name their kids, or they take just literal phrases out of the Bible. And so his mom likes Psalm 23, and so she named her son, even though, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And so we have this kid that's a part of our church family in Zimbabwe. His name is Even Though, and that's the name of our series. There's a story I, I love. There's about a monk. He was a part of a, a very strict monistic order. And uh, this, this monistic order was so strict, in fact, that they had to take a vow of silence when they joined this monastery. And they had to be silent for five years. And they couldn't say a word for five years. And, uh, but at the end of that five-year period, they could speak, but they could only speak two words. Two words. So the first five years passes, this monk comes before the abbot, the head of this monastery, and he says, you've been with us for five years, what would you like to say? And the man said, bed hard. And he said, thank you, you can go back to your room now. And he left. Five years later, it's been another vow of silence. He's been there now 10 years. He comes to this abbot, this head of this monastery, and he says, what would you like to say? You've now been here 10 years. What would you like to say now? And he said, food bad. The monk looked at him and said, you can leave. Walked away, spent another five years. 15 years now has passed. He stands before this abbot of this monastery. and He says, you've been with us now for 15 years. What would you like to say? And he said, I quit. And the abbot looked at him and said, it makes sense you've done nothing but complain since you've been here. (laughs) The name Habakkuk means to wrestle or to embrace. For several weeks, we've seen that this prophet complained before the Lord. He came before the Lord and he starts out complaining in chapter one. Let me just tell you, it's okay to come to God with questions. It's okay to come to God with our complaints. But the problem is, many of us, we never stop complaining. We never stop whining, be it to the Lord or be it to other people. We never stop complaining. But as you look at the book of Habakkuk, this minor prophet, as we look at this book, we see that Habakkuk didn't stay in that place and neither can we. So in Habakkuk chapter 1, we see Habakkuk move from complaining to embracing all that God has for him. He moved from complaining to embracing 
all that God has for him. And as we move to chapter two, we looked at that last week, we see that he still had questions. He still had concerns, but we see that this whining and complaining prophet is beginning to be somebody that trusts the Lord. In Habakkuk chapter two, at the beginning of that, we see that he climbed into his watchtower. What do we say? He climbed into that watchtower so he could get alone with the Lord, so he could spend a moment with God praying. And he prays and he said, I'm going to present my requests, my complaints to the Lord, and I'm gonna listen to what the Lord says. And we see the Lord respond to him in Habakkuk chapter two, verse and he says this. This is the Lord speaking now to Habakkuk. And he says, slowly, steadily, surely the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled. If it seems slow, do not despair. What he's saying is, wait for it. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be patient. They will not be overdue a single day. I want you to hear me. To move from a season of complaining and grumbling and questioning and confusion into a season of waiting as we see Habakkuk do in chapter two, you really have to move into a season of trusting in the Lord. And this is where some of you are. To be in a waiting season, we have to trust in the Lord. And we're actually gonna look at this just a little bit more today. But in chapter one, we see Habakkuk go from complaining to embracing. In chapter two, we see him going from wrestling to waiting. And today we're going to look at chapter three, where we see him become a prophet who has moved from a complaining prophet and a wrestling prophet to a praying prophet who fully trusts in the Lord and his ways and his plans. And that's the people we want to become. We want to become people that fully trust in the Lord. All right, let's pray. Lord, we come before you and we ask you in these next few moments, would you just be in this room? I ask you today to speak to every single heart, every single person who's here. Lord, I believe you have something very special, very specific for all of us, but I really just kind of even feel like there's a handful of people that you have something that you want to do in their life today. I think you want to do a miracle in somebody's life today. So would you move? Would you minister? Would you give us all ears to hear and a heart to respond? Would you give me clarity of thought? Would I speak clearly today, Jesus? We love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. One of my favorite prayers in all of the Bible is found in Habakkuk chapter three. It's literally one of my favorite prayers. And I, my prayer is that this becomes the prayer of our heart as a people and that this becomes a prayer of our heart as a church. I want you to check out Habakkuk chapter three, verse two. You'll see this on the screen in front of you or you can see it in your Bible. Or you can also look it up in U version. But here's what it says. Oh Lord, I've heard what you have done and I am filled with awe. Now do it again. Everybody say, do it again. Amen. Now do it again. Another translation says, revive us. In our times, the great deeds you used to do. Now do it again. In our times, the great deeds you used to do. Be merciful even when you are angry. The contemporary standard Bible says it this way. Lord, I've heard the report about you. Lord, I stand in awe of your deeds. Revive your work in these years. Make it known in these years. Habakkuk, what's he doing here? He's praying for revival. He's praying for revival. God, I know what you've done in the past. God, I know how your people responded in the past. Lord, I would love to see you do that again. And this has become my prayer for Destiny Church. Revive me, 
O Lord. Revive us, O Lord. Do it again. And I pray that this becomes the prayer of all of us, where every single one of us in this room would say, Lord, revive me. Lord, revive us. Heal people in Destiny Church. Save people from their sins in Destiny Church. Set our hearts on fire for more of you. Do miracles. Restore families. Save prodigals. Do it again, Lord. And there's so much in this verse. I could literally just preach on this verse today, but it's not what the Lord has for us. So I'm not going to unpack it, but I think I will in a few weeks. But we're actually going to focus in on the end of chapter 3, verse 16 and 19. The end of chapter 3, verse 16 and 19. I want to read this to you today. This will be on the screen. But it says, I heard... This is Habakkuk speaking. I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. Now I must quietly wait for the day of distress to come against the people invading us. Though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, Though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stall. Yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like those of a deer and he enables me to walk on mountains high. What a powerful challenge. What I want to do today is for the next few moments is I want to talk to you about what do we do when we find ourselves in an even though moment? What do we do when we find ourselves in a moment that doesn't seem fair? What do we do when we find ourselves in a situation that we don't like? What do we do when we find ourselves in a crisis? And I want to give you four principles that I see from Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 16 and 19. Four principles for remaining strong. How many of you want to remain strong? All right? Stand strong. Stand firm. Four principles for remaining strong when we find ourselves in an even though moment. Or another way we could say this. Four ways to stand strong when you find yourself in a storm. Number one, and I said that we would look at this again. This is where we left off last Sunday. But number one, we must choose to wait patiently and put our trust in God. When you find yourself in a storm, when you find yourself in a situation that doesn't seem fair, we must choose to wait patiently and put our trust in God. Habakkuk, as we can see throughout this entire book, this three-chapter book, we can see that he's had some very frightening news from the Lord. His people, the people of God, the country, they're going to face some terrible trials. And in verse 16, Habakkuk says, my heart pounded, my lips quivered, rottenness entered into my bones. And he says, and my legs trembled. This picture, when you look at Habakkuk, you have to read with kind of a creative mind a little bit because you see that he is painting pictures with his words. You see a man who is describing somebody who's fearful What's happened is he's just had some bad news. He's heard some bad news and he's expressing that right now. In Habakkuk's case, he knows that judgment 
is coming. And listen to me, it's only natural to feel overwhelmed and frightened when you get bad news. It's only natural to feel this way when you have these moments. But listen to what the psalmist said in Psalm 56, verse 3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. When I am fearful, when I am overwhelmed, when I am full of anxiety, I need to put my trust in you. I can't put my trust in my bank. I can't put my trust in my family. I can't put my trust in the world system. I can't put my trust in my favorite sports team. When I find myself overwhelmed and fearful, I need to put my trust in the Lord. And that's what Habakkuk is saying. When you find yourself overwhelmed, when you find yourself with rottenness creeping inside your body and your lips quivering and your legs trembling, you need to wait patiently on the Lord and put your trust in him. I want you to hear me. Having emotion is normal. Having an emotion of fear or anxiety is normal when you receive bad news. But here's the question I have for you today. What do you do with those emotions when they come upon you? I think that's the greatest thing. What are we going to do with these emotions? Are we going to allow these emotions? And here's where I think many of us, when we have emotions of fear and anxiety, we allow that to overcome us. Are you hearing me? When we have fear or anxiety or doubt or worry or something we've looked at in the past, when we begin to play the what ifs in our mind, we, that's, we allow that to overcome us. Will you be swept away by your emotions? Will you lose yourself in your emotions or will you become like Habakkuk who waited on the Lord patiently and he put his trust in the Lord? Let's be honest, Habakkuk, as we've looked at in the past few weeks, his emotions have been all over the place. When you, I mean, when you read the Bible, man, sometimes it plays out like a soap opera. I mean, there are emotions everywhere. But, but Habakkuk, he didn't let his emotions control him. He knew, listen to me, I want you to hear me. Habakkuk knew the way forward was not sleepless nights and worry and ulcers. Let me say this again. Habakkuk knew the way forward was not worry and ulcers and sleepless nights. Habakkuk knew the way forward was to wait patiently on the Lord and put his trust in the Lord. What's that mean? There comes a time and a place when you just have to rest in the promises that the Lord has given us and we wait there. Lord, I'm waiting on the promise that you gave me and I'm not going to fret and worry. But too many of us, that's what we do. We worry. As kingdom-minded people, let me say it this way, as kingdom-minded people, we should not let fret or worry or anxiety, let me say this, be the things that control us. But I would say if many of us were honest with ourselves, we allow ourselves to, we allow worry to control us. We allow anxiety to dictate our emotions. We allow fear to consume us and we get overwhelmed, we get fearful, we become anxious and we allow it to control us. But notice how Habakkuk deals with these fears. He took them to God. I want you guys to hear me today. I think this is one of the most important things I could preach to you. Because in the world we live in, we're gonna, fear is gonna come at us. Things that we can't control are going to come at us. But what do you do with those fears? 
What do you do with those things that overwhelm you? What do you do when you find yourself in a storm? What do you do when you find yourself in an even though moment? Habakkuk, he took his needs to the Lord. He waited on the Lord. And this is probably one of the most important things I'm going to tell you today. Habakkuk allowed God to be God. You aren't God. You can't be God. There's not a big G and a little G. There's one God and you are not him. You hear me? Allow God to be God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, Proverbs tells us. And lean not into your own understanding when you find yourself in an even though moment. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding when you find yourself in a storm. Because what I do when I find myself in a storm is I try to figure out how's the quickest way I can get myself out of this. What can I do? But in those moments, what scripture says is trust in the Lord. Wait patiently on the Lord. Allow him to do that. The Bible also tells us cast all your cares on him when you find yourself in an even though moment. Lord, I've got all these emotions that are raving and ravaging inside me. Lord, what am I going to do? Cast all your cares on him. Wait patiently on him. Trust in the Lord. And that's my challenge to us today. Allow God to be God in your life. You wait patiently, trust in the Lord, and see what God will do. So number one, when we find ourselves in a storm, what do we do? Wait patiently and trust in the Lord. Number two, to remain strong, and this is, this is probably the toughest one I'm going to preach to you today, to remain strong when we find ourselves in a storm is we have to understand that trials will come. It's a part of life trials will come. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. You're not the exception to the rule. I think somebody needs to hear that today. Some of you get angry when trials come your way. Some of you get angry at the Lord when you find yourself in a situation that you can't control or that causes you anxiety and you get mad at God and you think it's not fair. Jesus said, in this world, there will be difficult times. Trials will come. It's a part of life. When we look at the, back of the book of Habakkuk, we don't, um, I don't know his occupation. I don't know what he does. Perhaps he was a farmer. I, I don't know. We know he's a minor prophet. But in verse 17, we see that Habakkuk is writing in terms that the people of that day would understand. In verse 17, he says, the fig trees aren't blooming. There are no grapes on the vine. The olive crop has failed and the fields have produced no harvest. I don't know if Habakkuk is a farmer, but he's speaking to people that understand this language, right? These people work the fields. This is what they do. This is a bad day that Habakkuk is describing. This is a bad day. How's Habakkuk going to put food on the table when the crops have failed? How's he going to do that when there is no harvest? How's he going to pay the bills? How's he going to make ends meet? Well, Habakkuk, keep, this, keep the verse on the screen, we'll, we'll finish it in just a minute, but Habakkuk, in essence, has a plan B. Any of you ever had a plan B? God, I'm going to trust in you for 30 seconds, but I've got a plan B in case you don't intervene. I'm going to wait patiently for 30 seconds, you know? Anybody else like that? Lord, you got 30, and then I'm putting it in my hands. Habakkuk's probably got his own plan, plan B. He's like thinking, all right, well, I've still got my sheep. I've still got my cows. 
I, I, I can sell off some of my herd to make ends meet. But notice what happens in the rest of verse 17. Even though the flocks in the field die and the cattle barns are empty, what's he saying? This is a major trial. His plan A, his plan B, his plan C, his plan D, all the way to Z, they're all gone. There is no other plan. This is financial disaster. This is financial ruin. This is what Habakkuk is describing here, okay? If he were writing today, it might sound like this. Though my salary never arrives and I'm fired suddenly from my job, though my bank account, my plan C, my nest egg, my emergency account is emptied through a scam and clients refuse to pay me and my refrigerator is empty and there's no food on the table and I have nothing left to sell. That's what he's saying. It's severe. There's no hope. And I know some of you in this room, I want you to hear me and I wanna, I wanna speak to you as with as much compassion in my life as I possibly can. And, and I've had much emotion over this portion of the sermon. And last night I, I, um, I had the honor of speaking for a family that does not attend our church. Um, those of you that live in Republic, maybe you saw the news come across of the little girl Macy in second grade at Price that passed away of cancer. And um, I did not know this family. I met the dad three weeks ago as, we, as I started praying for their family. I just heard of this little girl three weeks ago. Well, she died on Monday. And I had the privilege of doing her funeral yesterday and presenting comfort of Jesus and Jesus to that whole family. And I was thinking of this message when I was even talking to them. This is a severe trial. I cannot imagine the loss of a little child. I dropped my son off at college three weeks ago and I thought it was one of the worst things I've experienced. I can't imagine. And I know some of you right now are facing some severe trials in your life. I know some of you have some health issues. Some of you in this room have some severe chronic pain. Some of you have frequent sickness. In fact, I, I, really, I really kind of struggled with this, this spot right here. I wasn't sure what to do or how to approach this. And I, and I hesitate to put anybody on the spot. But as I was studying this week, I, I, I thought of a few people here at Destiny Church who've been just struggling with frequent sickness and chronic pain. I thought of my wife, who for over a year has had a horrible pain in her neck. And I know that some of you think, well, his name's Chad. No, I'm not the pain in her neck, all right? Just to be clear. But she's had horrible pain in her neck and in her back and in her chest and even to where a few months ago, the doctors gave her the scare of cancer. And we found out it wasn't that. And that was a great relief, but the pain is still there and there's still no answers. I think of my sister, Rochelle, who for over a year and a half has been sick, struggling to breathe, chronic sickness, allergic to pretty much air itself now. And it all appeared suddenly and she's getting no answers. It's a trial. I think of Trent Gallion who for years you've had knee pain, you've had knees replaced, and the pain just won't leave. It's a trial. I think of Kathy Esri, bitten by a tick or something in the last few years, and now she's allergic to almost everything and struggling to change her diet. I think of Aaron Martin in your lungs, and unable for a while to even play drums, and no answers, trials. A storm, a crisis, an even though moment. What do you do? 
when you find yourself in a storm? What do you do? And I hate the stupid train, but anyway. Listen, there are people in this room right now with health issues. I know some of you in this room, you have health issues. I didn't call your name out, but you've had a chronic sickness for a while now. I know others of you in this room, your health is fine, and you're like, man, I feel good in my body. But maybe you have family issues. Some of you in this room, your marriage is a wreck. You've never, some of you in this room, you've never been married. And you want to be married, but you always seem to date the wrong person. Some of you in this room, you're struggling to get pregnant. You want a baby so bad, and you've never been able to get pregnant. And all you've experienced is loss. Others of you in this room, you have kids. But your kids are running from God. And it overwhelms you. Some of you in this room, you're estranged from your family. You haven't talked to your parent in years, and it haunts you, and it bothers you. Others of you in this room, you're struggling financially. You don't know how you're going to pay the next bill. You're trying to keep a smile on your face, but you're looking at your bills and you're thinking there's no way. Others of you, your trial is mental and it's taking its toll on you. Trials. In this life, we will have them. But Jesus said, take heart. Take heart. And I can't possibly stand up here today and say, I know all that you're going through. I know what I've walked through. I know what some of you have walked through, but I can't, I could never stand up here and say, I know all of your sleepless nights. I know all your fears. I could never stand up here as your pastor and say, I know all your pain. I understand everything you're going through. I I could never do that. I would never do that. When I was, when I was younger, I always tried to have the words to fix every problem. I've realized I'm not that smart. And I don't have the words. I don't know all your sleepless nights. I don't know all your loneliness. I don't know all the pain. But I do know, as Jesus tells us in the Gospels, take heart. I've overcome all of it. So I don't know who you are today, but if you're in this room and you're in some pain, you have sickness in your body that you don't have an answer for, You have problems in your lungs. You have problems in your knees. You have emotional problems, spiritual problems, financial problems, relational problems. I don't know who you are this morning, but if you're in this place where you say, Pastor Chad, just repeated trials in my health, repeated trials in my marriage, repeated trials in my finances, repeated trials mentally, emotionally, I want you to stand to your feet. Who are you? Trials that overwhelm you. Who else? There's others. Just, it just repeats itself. And you find yourself sick again. You find yourself depressed again. You find yourself unable to breathe again. You find yourself overwhelmed again. You find yourself thinking, is this happening again? Just another moment, another trial, another trial. Who else? I'm just waiting. I just feel like there's some people today that I want to pray over. Who else? Somebody in this room has a, has a son or a daughter that's running from the Lord and it's just constant and it tortures you. You need to stand. The, Lord, the Lord's getting ready to intervene in their behalf. So go ahead and stand. All right. I just want to pray over you guys. No pomp, no circumstance, no music, nothing. I'm not going to lay hands on you. We're just going to believe that God is on his throne and God is able, Okay. 
And I just want to pray over you. And I want you, wherever you are, wherever you have sickness, whatever's going on, I want you just to begin to say, God, I know you're on your throne and I'm trusting in you. Right now, let's pray. If somebody's around you standing, if a family member, just reach up and touch them. Just so nobody's standing alone, but just put your hand on them. We're not giving a word right now. I'm just praying. We're, we're just trusting in the Lord. Lord, we just come to you right now for every single one of these people that are standing their feet. You know their hurt. You know their pain. You know their sorrow. You know their sickness. You know all of it. You know the sleepless nights. You know the fear. You know the anxiety. You've seen it. You've captured every tear. You've never failed. You've never let them down. You've never failed. You've always been there in every moment. When there's been no answers, you have the answer. You are the answer. So Lord, I just pray right now that you intervene and you heal. Miracles. Some of them are struggling even in their faith and just thinking, this is my thorn in the flesh. This is what I have to carry. Lord, I pray that faith would prevail and trust in you would prevail and you would minister and you would move. And Lord, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt you're moving right now. And we speak life and we speak health and we speak wholeness in Jesus' name. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Everybody right now begin to say, do it again. Do it again. You've healed before. Do it again. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do it again. Prodigal sons and daughters have walked home before. Do it again. Lungs have been healed before. Do it again. Knees have been healed before. Do it again. Marriages have been healed before. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again, Jesus. We thank you. We trust you. In your name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Listen to me, here's what I want to tell you today. Even when you face trials, God is still on his throne. Even when you face trials, God is still on his throne. You may be facing a trial that's draining you. I want to remind you, God is still on his throne and you aren't facing this trial alone. Isaiah 41, 13 tells us, I am holding you by your right hand. I, the Lord, your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I'm here to help you. Psalm 23 that I referenced at the beginning says, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. I will never leave you even though you may be facing a trial. But remember that God is with you. And in the midst of those trials, number three, you can and you should have joy. In your trials, and I see this in Habakkuk, in your trials, you can and you should have joy. Everybody with me? Say, everybody say joy. joy. Come on, say joy again. Joy. joy. In verse 17, Habakkuk describes a catastrophe. There is no silver lining. Yet in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 18, he says he's joyful. How is this possible? How is this possible that he finds joy in the midst of this storm? The fig trees still aren't blooming. The cattle aren't in their pens. The harvest is still failing. How can he find joy? Nothing has changed. Yet, verse 18 tells us, yet, or you could even say it this way, even though I'm still overwhelmed with trials and I see no way out, I will rejoice in the Lord and I will be joyful. Even though my world is falling apart, I will remain joyful. What a powerful state of mind. And here's what it tells me. I want you to write this down. Having joy does not depend on your circumstance. Say it again. Having joy does not depend on your circumstance. Notice again what verse 18 says. I will rejoice. What is this? Let me say it this way. Joy is a decision. Joy is a choice. 
Joy is a decision. It is a choice. And as Christians, choosing joy every single day has nothing. I want you to hear me. Choosing joy every day has nothing to do with your circumstances or how you feel about your circumstances. Choosing joy, write this down, is who we look to in spite of our circumstances. Habakkuk could have joy because he was looking to God, not his circumstance. He wasn't looking at the failed crops. He wasn't looking at the empty barn. He wasn't looking at the depression. He wasn't looking at the son or the daughter who's running from God. He wasn't looking at the chronic knees or the chronic back or the chest pain or the lung problem. He was looking to God. If you want to have joy, stop looking at your problem and start looking to God. Joy is a decision. Joy is about who, not about what. Let me say it again. Joy is about who. It's not about what. Our joy comes from the Lord. Let me be clear here today. Happiness and joy are two separate things. Habakkuk, he said he had joy. He didn't say he was happy. I'm not telling you be happy because you have bad knees. I'm not telling you be happy because you have bad lungs. I'm not telling you be happy. Happiness and joy are two separate things. Happiness is a feeling and it's fleeting. I'm happy when I'm in the mountains. I just, I love the mountains. I'm happy. I'm, ah. When I leave the mountains, some of that happiness from being in the mountains leaves. Why? Because happiness is a feeling that's fleeting. But joy is a choice. Joy is a practice. It's a behavior. Joy runs deep. Joy overflows. And joy is infectious. So as Christians, I challenge us, let's be intentional about choosing joy every day. And I finish with number four. Number one, we trust God when we're in a waiting season. Number two, we understand that trials will come. Number three, we choose joy in all the trials. And number four, we realize that God gives us strength in the storm. In verse 19, we can see the result in one word. What's the result? It's really one word. It's the word victory. Verse 19, let's read it. The Lord is my strength. He will give me, we could put there victory. He will give me the speed of a deer and bring me safely over the mountains. Even though my spouse said till death do us part and they didn't live up to their end of the bargain, he's still my strength. Even though I taught my kids in the ways of the Lord and now they're running from you, God, and I'm overwhelmed and I'm fearful, you're still my strength. Even though, Lord, I'm sick in my body and the pain won't seem to leave, Lord, you're still my strength. Even though there's no money in the bank account and the next paycheck is gonna be short, Lord, you're still my strength. Even though, even though, even though I've lost family members, even though I've lost my spouse, even though I've lost my best friend, even though you are still my strength. When you find yourself in a trial, look to God because he is your strength. In verse 19, it finishes up by saying, he makes me as sure-footed as a deer, able to tread upon the heights. What's this mean? Number one, you have to understand that it's metaphoric language. I want you to hear me. If you don't get anything today, get this right here. He has given us metaphoric language that describes the blessings that the presence of God can bring to any situation. Let me say it again. Habakkuk is describing the blessings of God that are present in any situation when you allow the Lord to be in the situation. He's the one that delivers you. He's the one that gives you joy, even when you're taking that IV that's putting in cancer medicine. He's how you can remain joyful. 
He's how you can remain joyful even though you look and there's sickness in your body. He's the reason you remain joyful and people say, your world's falling apart, how are you joyful? Because he's my strength. He's the reason. The deer or the hind, as some translations say here of Habakkuk, it could also be a gazelle or a mountain goat. It could be some, a different animal. It's a sure-footed animal that can climb over any mountain, any situation, and it looks impossible. I remember one time Tosh and I were floating down the Colorado River, and we look up, and there's a mountain goat standing on the edge of this cliff. And I'm like, how in the world did he even get there? There's no way. I would, be, I would have fallen. I would have died. He's describing that. That's what Habakkuk is try, trying to describe here. He's saying, even though it looks impossible and it's a sheer vertical cliff, even though it seems there's no way out, this is the language that Habakkuk is trying to describe. He's saying to us, you might be traveling on the road that seems dangerous and rocky and all you can see is pitfalls around you and you might slip at any moment, but you have to understand that God is still on his throne and he gives you strength. God gives you a solid footing to help you through it no matter what. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean into your own understanding. And I close with Psalms 18.33. And the psalmist says it. Habakkuk was really just quoting it. He makes me like a deer that doesn't stumble. He helps me stand on steep mountains. So what do I do when I find myself in a storm? Number one, I wait patiently. I don't, I don't try to fight the storm. You're not stronger than the storm. I wait patiently and I trust in the one who is stronger than the storm. That's where some of you are right now. Number two, when I get myself in a storm, I don't think that it's unfair and think I'm the exception to the rule and nobody else is going through storms. I understand that in this world, I will experience troubles and trials will come, but I can lean into the one who gets me over that storm. Because of that, I can find joy in the storm. I can find joy in every storm. I can be full of joy no matter what. Why? Because in all of that, I know that God is my strength. God is my strength. Let's pray. Lord, I come before you in these next few moments and I just, would you just whisper into this room? Hmm. Yeah, Jesus. Would you just speak to somebody today? Would you minister to somebody today? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, as we, as we start to close this out today, I'm reminded of Acts chapter 16. For the past two weeks, me and several, several in our church and in our country and across the nation have been reading from, across the globe have been reading from the book of Acts. And Acts chapter 16 tells us a story about two men by the name of Paul and Silas. And Paul and Silas, they found themselves in a storm. They found themselves in a prison. They didn't do anything wrong. They were just preaching Jesus. They found themselves in a storm that doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It overwhelmed. It, it would, if I found myself in prison tomorrow, it'd be overwhelming because I stood on a stage and preached the gospel. That's where Paul and Silas find themselves. But they don't try to fight the storm. We don't see that in scripture. They just wait and they trust and they find joy. You know how? Because they know that God is their strength. And so you know what they started doing? In the midst of their storm, they started worshiping. They started praising the Lord. 
And today that's what we're gonna do. We're just gonna take a few moments before we close out today. We're just gonna just, we're just gonna praise the Lord. And we're gonna trust in him as our strength. But before we do, I wanna pray over two things. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, the reason that we can find joy is because of Jesus. He's the reason we can find joy. He's the one that gives us strength, right? And so some of you in this room, you haven't found Jesus. You don't know Jesus as Lord of your, of Lord of your life. Some of you, maybe you knew him one time, but you've walked away. And so I want to pray over you today. You don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, if you, or if you're living in sin, or if you've got some sin, and you want to confess that sin, you want to repent it, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray over you today. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just, I just want you just to slip up your hand. I got you. Who else? Just, I got it. I see hands going up across the room. I'm just not where I need to be with Jesus. Would you just raise your hand? I see you there, sis. I got you. Who else? I got you right there. I'm just not where I need to be with Jesus. I got you. Who else? I got you right there. I just wanna, I just wanna make it right with Jesus today. Yeah. Can we all say this prayer together? Because remember at Destiny Church, we don't wanna do it alone. We all pray together. Six or seven people raise their hand to say yes to Jesus today. Okay? We're all gonna pray with them. Let's pray. So everybody repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus. I come to you, and I know that I'm a sinner. And without you, there is no hope for my future. But with you, I have an incredible hope. I, have, I can have joy. And so, Jesus, I thank you for, number one, dying for me and forgiving me of my sins. And because of you, I can have a brand new start. I can have a brand new beginning. And as of this day... I choose to make you Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Let's give God a praise for those who raise their hand. I'll give you a little more instructions in just a moment, but I wanna do one more thing. I wanna pray for one more thing for you guys today. This is another, I felt the Lord really speak to me two things. I needed to pray for those who were in the midst of the storm and in a trial and needed health and healing. And I'm believing that God's going to heal you. I'm believing Aaron Martin. I'm believing for new lungs. I'm believing for my wife's healing. Trent, I'm believing for new knees. Rochelle, I'm believing for healing. Uh, Kathy Ustry, I'm believing, I'm believing for every single one of you in this room. I'm believing for healing in your body. But number two, I want to pray for people who've lost their joy. I didn't realize it. But when I walked through what I walked through in my own personal life, the thing I lost was my joy. I lost joy. And, and like a person who was always positive, I became negative. And I saw the world as dark and gloomy and fearful. And then as I allowed the Lord to like heal those wounds and those hurts and those scars, self-inflicted and whatever they might be, joy started to creep back in. In the last few weeks, I've realized I'm joyful again. And I can laugh again. And I want to pray over some people. And I don't know if it's one or none. I don't know. I know there are people in the room who've lost your joy. But I don't know if you're going to want to stand. But if you're here today and you say, Pastor Chad, I need my joy back. I've lost my joy. Would you stand to your feet? You've lost your joy. I want to pray over you. I've lost joy. Yeah. If that's you. I want you now to come stand up front because I believe the Lord is going to restore joy today. Joy. Who else? Anybody else? I've lost my joy. I've lost my joy. Yeah. 
Now I wanna ask our prayer team and our staff, family and friends, come stand up here with your family and friends and people you know. And wants to give your joy back. Wants to give your smile back. Wants to take the weight off, okay? You don't have to carry it anymore. You know, I think the reason, I think there's a couple of reasons why we lose joy. Number one, as Christians, I think one of the simplest ones is we are allowing sin in our life. That's a big reason. But number two, we're trying to fight the storm ourselves in our own strength. And you can't fight this storm. You can't win this storm in your own strength. So turn to the Lord. Let him take it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding. All right? Let's pray for them. Worship team, would you lead us in worship? He'll never let us go. He's the king of your heart. So we're going to sing over you. Everybody else, give us, give us about three minutes. And I'm going to come back up and I'll close this out. And you can go eat lunch, all right? But give us three minutes. Let's pray for them. Hey, actually, would all of you stand to your feet? Now let's all choose to worship. Let's all extend our hands this way. Nobody sneak out, all right? Nobody sneak out. Let's allow the Lord to just kind of move in this moment. Maybe even wants to speak to you in your seat. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.